So tonight we're talking about praying the Bible. Praying the Bible. How many of you, I'm just curious, have read Don Whitney's book, Praying the Bible? Anybody read that? Okay, a couple of you. We're going to talk about praying the Bible, but, but really, we got to take this opportunity to, to talk about prayer. Before we talk about a specific method of prayer, a way to pray, I think it's good for all of us to talk about prayer. And I think it's good because prayer is pretty much universally hard. We'll talk about that more in a little while, but there is nobody that I know that would say, yeah, you know, I pretty much got the whole prayer thing down. Uh, my prayer life is basically amazing. Uh, prayer is a struggle for many of us. And so even I felt as I was preparing for tonight, um, maybe more so than any other lesson that I've taught, I'm like, I feel like I am teaching this to myself as much as anybody else in this room. And so I, my prayer is that God would make all of us people of prayer. Uh, I remember when I was in college, our president would say, nothing of eternal significance happens apart from prayer. Nothing of eternal significance happens apart from prayer. And so if that's true, it's good for us to devote some thought and some intention into our prayer life and, and strengthening our prayer life. So I'm praying that God would uh, use this time uh, towards that end. Let me pray for us and we'll dive in. Father, thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for all the men and women, the families that are here tonight. I pray that you would be glorified. I pray that you would open our eyes, Lord, open our ears, cause us to see wonderful things out of your law. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. So first of all, <clears throat> why do we pray? I mean, I think if you've been coming to church for any amount of time, you know at a pretty basic level, we're commanded to pray, right? Over and over in the Bible, we're commanded to pray. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Paul said in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Then he said in 1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Man, what in the world do we do with that? James, in his epistle, he would say, hey, if anyone is suffering, let him pray. H.B. Charles uh, wrote a great little book on prayer, and in it he said, even if there were no practical benefits to prayer, and there are many, he says, we should be devoted to prayer simply because the word of God commands it. And so, so why do you think that is? Why are we commanded to pray? Well, I think, first of all, prayer, prayer is an acknowledgement of our need for God, right? It's an acknowledgement of our dependence on Christ, our submission to his will. You'll find that the longer you pray, that prayer changes you more than it might change some of the circumstances that you're praying about. Prayer is a privilege, and what a great privilege that we can come before the king of the universe and have a conversation with him. We're commanded to pray. And I think we could add, we know that praying is important. We know that there are a lot of benefits to prayer. J.I. Packer said, prayer 
is the measure of a man spiritually in a way that nothing else is. And that, that's convicting to me. Is that convicting to you? Prayer is the measure of a man spiritually? And to be like Jesus, we got to pray. Jesus was a man of prayer. It's amazing to me, over and over in the Gospels, how many times we hear, and Jesus prayed. Jesus went off onto a mountain to pray. You know, before he chose his 12 disciples, Jesus spent all night in prayer. Isn't that amazing? In Matthew, when he was teaching on prayer, he, he kept using the phrase, well, when you pray, when you pray, sort of assuming like, hey, I know if you're a follower of mine, praying is going to be something that you're going to do. So he wasn't telling his disciples, hey, you need to pray. He was just kind of saying, hey, when you pray, because I know you're going to pray, when you pray, pray like this. It's interesting to me, too, that, you know, Luke tells us that his disciples asked him to teach them how to pray. I find that interesting because his disciples, as far as we know, didn't ask him, hey, Jesus, can you, can you teach us how to preach? Can you teach us how to evangelize? But they did ask him to teach them how to pray. It was obvious to everybody that knew Jesus that Jesus was a man of prayer. And if Jesus is going to be a man of prayer, then I think we all know the same should be true of us. I think about the great hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Talking about this great privilege that we have of coming before God. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. So what are some of these benefits? We have this benefit of fellowship with God. When I was thinking about this point, I was thinking about, you remember that famous picture? I think there are several pictures, actually. But that famous picture of, of JFK Jr. playing underneath the desk there in the Oval Office, right? And I thought, man, that's, that's such an interesting picture of this point right here. The access... I mean, nobody else was playing underneath the desk there in the Oval Office, right? But when your dad is the president, you have a kind of access, a kind of fellowship, a kind of intimate relationship that nobody else has. And that's the relationship that you and I have as sons and daughters of God. I think we also see prayer gives us perspective. Prayer helps us to to set our priorities, to reorder the things in our life that we love. I love how Paul, in his last letter, 2 Timothy, he's reflecting on his, his own life and his own ministry. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, he says this, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. He said, man, it's not just me. It's going to be all who are loving and longing and looking forward to and hoping for the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. But then look with me in verse 10. 
he's given some instructions here, and he said, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. You see the contrast there in what we love? In verse 8, he's talking about those who love the appearing of God. And in verse 10, he's talking about somebody who, hey, he's in love with this present world. And he deserted me. Hebrews also mentions something similar. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, talking about Jesus, looking to Jesus, he says, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He's saying, look at Jesus, look at how Jesus kept his eyes on eternity, kept his eyes on redemption and God's plan there. That's the same thing that you and I can get through prayer, this perspective, this idea of we are not living for here and now. Paul will say in another place that we are citizens of another kingdom, right? Our citizenship is not here. We are living for eternity. You know, you think about the things that you love. You think about the, the things that occupy your mind in your idle moments. Uh, Augustine would talk about that. And he said, you know, everybody seeks happiness in this world. And what they do is they, they seek happiness and they attach themselves to the things that they think will make them happy. And so we call that love. I, I love football, or I love this, or I love my family. And, and so we, we attach ourselves to these things. But the problem is that the sin that's within all of us, our sinful nature, the sin that's in all of us, it causes us to, to misunderstand what actually is going to make us happy. Can't you see how that's been true in your own life? I, I certainly can in mind. So we end up searching for love in, in all the wrong places. And so in prayer, that's a time where we can regain perspective of, hey, what is really ultimate? What is really true? What is really unchanging and eternal? And that's you, Lord. And so Tim Keller would say, look, if we love anything in this world more than God, it's going to break our heart. Because God is the only one who never fails. God is the only one who never leaves us, never forsakes us. And, and in prayer, we can regain that perspective. I think we also gain strength from prayer. Strength from prayer. What do I mean by that? I, you think about all of the truths in Scripture. And through prayer and meditation on God's Word, I think that's when God allows these truths to be sort of massaged into our hearts. Does that make sense? Think about Psalms chapter 1, where he writes, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. And listen to the description here. He is like a tree, Planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. You think about this tree with these deep roots planted by flowing streams. This tree is not dependent on the rain. It's not dependent on the weather because its roots run deeper than that. That's what we get in prayer. We get strength. Uh, later in, in the book of Psalms, the psalmist is going through a really Difficult time in his life. That happens a lot in this book. 
Psalm 77. And he's asking some of these questions that you and I have asked at times, where it just feels like God's so far away, where it feels like, man, Lord, I, I can't feel your presence. It's hard for me to even, are you even there? I open my, my lips to pray. Are you even listening? And Psalm 77, verse 7, he says, Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? He's asking these, these honest and, and hard questions. Has God, verse 9, forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? And then look at the turn here. Verse 10, then I said, I will appeal to this. I will appeal to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. You see what he's doing? He's, he's saying, look, right here and right now, Lord, I can't see you. I can't feel you. And so I'm left asking these questions. Have you forgotten to be gracious? Have you forgotten to be loving? Is you, has your love come to an end? He said, but instead of, instead of living there, I'm going to look back. I'm going to remember God's faithfulness. Don't you see how God does that through prayer? Maybe if you, if you journal and you can look back or just think about experiences in your life where God has carried you through a situation that seemed like you weren't going to be able to make it through, a situation that seemed impossible, and that's what gives you strength to move forward is by looking back and recognizing God's faithfulness and saying, yes, he carried me through here and he can do it again. Aren't you glad for that? Uh, one more passage that I love uh, in, in the book of Ephesians where I think we see this, this really great picture of the strength that we get in prayer. Paul prayed all throughout his letters. He, he writes down his prayers for the churches, which is such a helpful thing. If you've ever gotten from somebody, maybe in a text, maybe in an email, it is the most encouraging thing. I mean, honestly, it's great to hear somebody to say, hey, I'm praying for you. That is awesome. I'm very thankful for that. But if you've ever gotten somebody where they like actually write out the prayer that they've prayed for you, have you ever seen that? It is wonderful. It's so life-giving. And all through the New Testament, Paul, in many of his letters, he's doing this for the churches. He says, not just, hey, I'm praying for you. He says, this is what I'm praying for you. And one of those great prayers is in Ephesians chapter 3. And he says, for this reason, verse 14, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You see what he's praying for the church here? He says, church, I don't want you to just know the love of God. I want you to comprehend it. I want you to grasp it. I want you to grasp it in such a way that it changes you. That's what he says, power through his spirit in your inner being, that you may have strength to comprehend. 
This love of this God who knows you better than anybody knows you and and yet loves you more than anyone ever could. It's amazing. How high is God's love? He says that you may know the breadth and length and height and depth. How high is God's love? And the psalmist says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth. That's how great his steadfast love is for those who fear him. How wide is his love? The psalmist says, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed his transgress- our transgressions from him. How long is it? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one is able to, to snatch them out of my hand. That's the God that we serve. That's the strength that we get in prayer. By praying these prayers and experiencing, not just saying, yes, I I know that this is true. You can uh, assent to the truth of this statement. No, saying, no, I, I have experienced this. I feel this. That's what we get through prayer. I think another thing we get is, is trust. This is the idea of Jesus in the Lord's Prayer, when he was teaching his disciples to pray, what's he say? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that is in heaven. He, he says, your will, your will be done. I mean, you think about that prayer, your will. Not, not my will. That's what Jesus prayed in Gethsemane. Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass for me. But, but not my will, but, but your will be done. We pray this as, as children of a good and gracious and perfect father. We can look at him and say, Lord, we, we trust you. Your will be done. You do what's best. There was a, a pastor named uh, Elisha Hoffman. He was a talented man. He wrote a lot of poems some of his poems became hymns, hymns that you would know. He wrote hymns like, um, Are You Washed in the Blood? A Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. But one day he was uh, just going about his normal uh, pastoral duties. He was meeting with a lady who was, was really in the, in the grip of some deep depression, couldn't really see a way out of it. And honestly, uh, Mr. Hoffman would, would say he was a little bit at a, at a loss for words. He started reading some scripture to her and finally said, you know, you can never go wrong in telling Jesus what's going on with you. You, you must tell Jesus. And he went back to his, his office and those words kept rolling around in his mind. You, you must tell Jesus. And he sat down and he started writing And he wrote, I must tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress, he kindly will help me. He ever loves and cares for his own. That's trust that we can get in prayer. We can celebrate answered prayers. I was uh, talking with a friend of mine a couple weeks ago. uh, He's a musician, and uh, his band was here. In Charlotte, he lives in Nashville, so we don't get to see each other that much, but, but his band was here. Anytime his band comes into town, we get together, and we were having lunch, and uh, he says, man, uh, my wife and I are going to have uh, another baby. He has two kids. Uh, one's 10 and one's 8. And uh, I said, oh, yeah, that's, that's exciting. 
He said, yeah, it's a little bit of a surprise. Uh, he goes, but I'll tell you, our kids have really been, been wanting this to happen. He goes, like, we would, we would pray before a meal, and, you know, I would say, in Jesus' name, amen, and one of my kids would say, and please help mommy to have a baby. And he's like, they kept doing this. And I'm like, man, these kids did this to you. This is, this is their fault. <clears throat> so about two weeks after this, uh, they shared this news like publicly on Facebook, right? It's not official until it's Facebook official, right? Um, and his wife added a really cool part to the story. Um, she said that when they told their two kids that she was going to have a baby, that their oldest son, who's 10, went and got a prayer journal, a 10-year-old with a prayer journal. And he said, Mommy, look. And so he had written this prayer, Dear Lord, please, 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 I beg you, <laughs> please help Mommy to have a baby. And at the bottom of that page, he'd wrote in real big letters, answered. Isn't that amazing? That a 10-year-old, and he's going to be able to look back, because there's going to be a time in his life where he's going to feel like, man, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that these prayers are getting through. And he's going to be able to look back at that and say, yeah, I remember when God answered this prayer. The trust that we can get through prayer. Okay, so so we know prayer is important. We know we've been commanded to do it. We know that there's a lot of benefits to it. So then, how do we do it? Because we also know that praying is difficult. Praying is hard. Praying is a duty before it's a delight. Don't, don't expect, if you've never spent any time in prayer, don't expect that it's going to be amazing right from the very beginning. I'll just tell you that. It's hard. Uh, back in 2020, think about what a crazy time that was for our world, right? So many people locked down and isolated. So we kept coming up with, with weird things to do at the house, right? So you'd, you'd play pranks on people in your house, and there'd be these, these social media challenges, or, you know, people were just looking for stuff to do, I guess. So one of those challenges... <clears throat> or something called the toddler challenge. Are you guys familiar with this? The toddler challenge. So the toddler challenge was where you take a small child, you set up a phone in front of them, you put a piece of candy in front of them on the table and say, hey, look, I got to go get something. Don't eat this piece of candy. I'll be back in just a minute. And you record what happens. And, you know, a lot of kids were, you know, eating the candy or, you know, whatever. And so it ended up just being this funny thing. And so my sister-in-law wanted to do that with my daughter, who was four at the time. And this is, this is what happened. Did you hear that? Difficult. <laughs> and then she just lays her head down. And as I was thinking through this lesson, that was the picture I had in my head because I think that for many of us, 
That's how we feel about prayer. We're like, I know I need to do this. It's difficult. And then we lay down, right? We close our, we close our eyes. Why is it so difficult? Well, our, our minds wander. Have you ever, you ever felt that? Man, it's like one minute you're praying. The next minute you're, you're thinking about like, well, did I unplug the iron? Uh, did, I, did I make reservations for the, what are we having for dinner? You know, and you're like, wait a minute, I'm praying here. <laughs> What's happening? Our, our motivation ebbs and flows. Man, there might be some mornings where you wake up and you're so excited to pray. And there might be other mornings where you wake up or evenings and you're like, man, this is, this is the last thing I want to do. Even the great John Piper was talking about prayer and he says, well, there's, there's a couple of problems. One is that I tend to be very repetitive. I just pray the same things all the time. And he said, another negative thing is that my mind tends to wander. That made me feel really good to hear John Piper, because if John Piper's mind is wandering when he's praying, it makes me feel a little bit better about mine. But you see what he said there first. One is that I tend to be very repetitive. I pray the same things all the time. And that gets us to one of the points in Don Whitney's book, Praying the Bible. He said one of the, the, the primary problems with with prayer and the way that we approach prayer and the reason why prayer is difficult for us is because what happens is we end up saying the same old things about the same old things. Can you relate to that? Saying the same old things about the same old things. You know, the problem isn't that we pray about the same things. The problem is that we say the same things about the same old things. Saying the same thing is, is boring. It doesn't matter who you are. I don't know if you've ever had a job like that, right? Maybe in uh, uh, some kind of retail spot or something where, where you're just saying the same, you're standing there at a cash register or something. Good morning. How are you? Plastic or paper? You know what I mean? It's like you're saying the same thing all, all the time. So how do we, how do we pray? How do we push past this? How do we turn it from this duty into this Delight. Well, first I'd say you need to have a plan. This is true for anything. You know, if you're like, all right, hey, going on a diet starting Monday, right? Because all diets start on Monday. Uh, going on a diet starting Monday. I'm like, oh, yeah, what, what are you going to do? I don't know. Eat, eat less. But, you know, so you got to have a plan. You want to start a new habit? You got to have a plan. You want to start a, a workout regimen? You got to have a plan. That's why, if you've noticed, we're pretty big on Bible reading plants around here. And we don't do that to be legalistic, to say, man, you're like a lower level Christian if you don't have a Bible reading plan. No, we do it to say, if you want to consistently read your Bible, the only way that you're going to consistently read your Bible is to have a Bible reading plan. If you want to make it through God's word, the only way to do that is to have a Bible reading plan. And so around here, you can walk by any of the displays that we have, go on our website, and you can find three or four different Bible reading plans. You can Google Bible reading plans and find about a thousand more. You've got to have a plan. One of the classic plans uh, of ways to pray is this ACTS plan. You guys know this? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. It's classic. It's great. It works. Adoration. Adoration is where we praise God for who he is. 
We praise him for his holiness, his greatness, his majesty, the fact that he is the creator God, the unchangeable God, the eternal God. That's, that's adoration. Confession is where we, we confess our, our sins. We, we model this most Sundays in church. We, we confess our sins. Why do we do that? We don't do that so that we can wallow in our sins not only not so that we can be sort of weighed down with, with guilt. No, we do that to remind ourselves that we are sinful people and God is a merciful Savior. And we pray that he would give us the strength to not, that we've been forgiven of those sins, but that he would give us the strength so that those sins begin to lose their attraction to us. That's where this, this repentance comes in. You know, you've heard it said probably that, that repentance is not just stopping something, right? Repentance is a, is a change of direction. Repentance is stopping and turning. And so when we confess our sins to God, we, we pray that God will give us the strength to confess and forsake those sins, that our hearts will be turned from those sins. <coughs> and then thanksgiving. So we've praised God for who he is, and, and now on thanksgiving we praise God for what he's done. Some of the things that we've talked about tonight, we, we think back to how he's worked in our lives. We think back to how he's been faithful. We think about the, the blessings that we have right now. Every morning when we wake up, breath in our lungs. On a night like this, when it's freezing cold, the, uh, what do they call it? A three-dog night, right? Uh, on a night like this, to have a, a warm house to sleep in, we, we thank God for those things. And then supplication, that's where we bring our requests to God. We pray for ourselves. We pray for others. Act. But I want to talk specifically about this praying the Bible method. Now, I don't want you to get the idea that, that Don Whitney invented this method. This is not a, a new method. He's not the first person. This book has been out, I don't know, five or six, eight years. He wasn't the first person to talk about this. Uh, Athanasius, way back in the fourth century, uh, wrote about praying through the Bible. But the point is, we open the Bible and we allow the words of the Bible to form our prayers. There's a lot of ways that we can do this. One way is to, to truly just pray the words of Scripture back to God. But one of the things that he uh, teaches in his book is really this idea where as we're praying through Scripture... The things that come to our minds as we're reading it, we turn those into prayer. So we're using God's word to form the, the basis of our prayers. Does that make sense? This is not interpreting the Bible. We're not saying this is what this passage means. We're just, we're saying, hey, as I'm reading this passage, this is what God's bringing to my mind. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray like this. We can pray, we can use uh, this idea all throughout scripture. We can pray the prayers in the Bible. I read one earlier, Ephesians chapter three. Paul has many, as I mentioned, Ephesians one, Philippians one, Colossians one. We can pray through the Lord's prayer. It's a great prayer to pray. But one of the easiest ways to do this is to pray through the book of Psalms. We pray through the book of Psalms. Uh, one of the things that, that's so helpful is that when you think about the book of Psalms, it covers the full range of human emotion. 
So there are psalms where it's like, bang the drums, play the flute, let's praise the Lord, sing as loud as you can. And there are other psalms, like I read Psalm 77, there's a lot like that. They're called lament psalms. About a third of the psalms fall into this category of, of lament, where the psalmist is writing about something terrible going on in their life, a time when it's really hard for them to see or feel God, and all of us are going to be there. All of us have been there. And so it's helpful to pray through those times. The psalmist writes great things about the Word of God. Psalm 19, Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, all about the Word of God. And so we, we open these psalms and we begin to pray. We begin to take the words of Scripture and allow them to form the basis of our prayers. And through this way, it keeps us from praying the same old things about the same old things. You may have seen tonight when you came in uh, this little card. And this is right from Don Whitney's book. We just copied it and put our logo at the bottom. Um, but we're not trying to hide that. We're just telling you. Um, so here, here's what Whitney advocates, and it, it's a great system. He says, okay, what, what day of the month is it? Today's the 29th. So if you're going to pick up your Bible, you're going to spend a couple minutes in prayer on the 29th, you would spend a minute or so flipping through the five Psalms that, he, that are listed right here. Psalm 29, Psalm 59, Psalm 89, Psalm 119, Psalm 149. And after a minute or so, say, all right, I'm going to pray through this Psalm right here. And you know, Psalm 119 is a really long Psalm. That's going to take a little more time. But you'd pick one of these Psalms and then you'd begin to pray through it. So I hope that this is helpful to you. You can throw it in your Bible. <clears throat> And we're going to have an opportunity to do that in just a minute. Before we get to that, though, I also listed some things here that I found really helpful. And I just wanted to, to commend them to you and explain them to you. Um, there's a resource called The Corner Room. Anybody heard of The Corner Room? So uh, it's fascinating. If you use uh, Spotify or Apple Music, go search for... The Corner Room. So what they are is uh, a band that has taken God's Word from the ESV, the same version that we read and preach from, teach from here, and set them to music. They don't add anything to the text. It's amazing. Because the, mu like, the quality of the music is really good. This is not some kind of hokey sort of thing. The music is very good, and all that they are singing is the exact text of Scripture. And so it has become a really helpful way for me to meditate on Scripture. If you, if you say, man, I just have a hard time memorizing God's Word, this is a great way to do it. They have a couple of different albums that are just uh, psalms. Uh, Psalm Songs, Volume 1, Volume 2, but then um, other albums too from other parts of scriptures. I would commend them to you wholeheartedly, the, the Corner Room. 
Uh, Valley of Vision, that's something that you're probably a little more familiar with. We, we talk about that a lot here. We, we give that out. Everyone who goes through Discover HG as a new member of the church gets a copy of Valley of Vision. It's a collection of Puritan prayers and devotions. It's a great book. It's in our bookstore. And then just three books here that I've found really helpful. One is called A Praying Life by Paul Miller. I think all three of these books are in our bookstore. A Praying Life by Paul Miller, and then It Happens After Prayer by H.P. Charles. That's a, a very small, very good read. And then Prayer by Tim Keller, that becomes, at least from this list of three, sort of the magnum opus. Like this is a, a much thicker book, a much denser book. If you want to take a really deep dive into prayer, that would be a great book to read. Okay, but one of the things that, that Don Whitney does in his book and maybe you've read some books like this before where like you're reading and they say, okay, what I want you to do right now is set the book down and practice this, like do this. So I want to try something here. And admittedly, it's going to feel a little unusual. I even mentioned this to Pastor Clint earlier. I'm like, hey, hey, I'm thinking about having us pray through a psalm tonight. And he's like, hmm, okay. <laughs> I'm like, thanks for your feedback. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> but we've been talking about prayer. It just seems like it would be strange for us to just say, all right, well, thank you for coming. Have a great night. And so on the bottom of your notes, there's a little point that says, practice. And so here's what I'd like to do. We're not going to take, in the book actually he recommends take seven minutes and do this. So what I'd like to do is that list of Psalms for today. Psalm 29, Psalm 59, 89, 119, 149. <coughs> I'd like you to spend the next just minute or so Scanning those psalms. And then I'd like you to take a couple minutes at your table, pray. This can be a silent prayer. It can be whatever you want. Uh, and the way we're going to close is we're going to let that go for a few minutes. You might hear a little bit of music playing just to kind of help that awkwardness just a little bit. And the way we're going to close is I'm going to pray through Psalm 29. And so if, if you want to choose Psalm 29, that's great too. But let's pray for a couple minutes the, psalm, uh, the Psalms to the Lord. So let's, let's do that now. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. God, we think about all of creation shouting praise to you, ascribing to you and you alone the glory that you alone deserve. Lord, ascribe to the Lord the glory due your name. We think about your name, God, the name that is above every name the name by which we are saved, the name at which 
One day every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that you alone, Lord. Lord, your voice is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Lord, help us to love and hear your voice. Lord, as we open your word, God, may it come alive to us. May you give us a greater desire to hear from you, Lord. And may we not just hear from you, may we respond in, in obedience. May we respond in faith and in worship, Lord. May we, may we long to hear from you, Lord. And as we, we think about you, Lord, we think about how powerful you are, that you are over the waters, that you thunder, that the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. It breaks the cedars of Lebanon. Lords, we think about the mountains melting like wax before you, Lord. Help us to not ever forget how powerful you are. That you are the God who has created everything. You are the God that upholds the universe by the word of your power. Oh, Lord, you are so great and so majestic. Help us to lift up our eyes and get a bigger vision of the of. Your greatness, Lord. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. And in your temple, all cry glory. There's that word again, Lord, glory. Help us to not forget your, your glory. Lord, as we think about you, we we see you enthroned over the flood, enthroned as king forever. And so we think about the chaos that's around us, the chaos in our lives, the chaos in this world, Lord. And sometimes if we're not careful, we can start to become discouraged. Lord, let us not forget that you are the king over all of that, that you are enthroned as king forever. Lord, may that thought give strength to your people. Lord, help us to live joyful, hopeful, confident lives, God, as we think about you, the king. And Lord, as we think about that, may it give us peace. What an unusual quality in this world, Lord, peace. Peace that passes all understanding peace that goes beyond our, our ability to comprehend it, Lord. Peace, knowing that you, this great God, this glorious God, this majestic God, that you, in the person of Jesus, left heaven, that you came to this earth, that you were born as a human, that you walked this earth, that you experienced temptation, that you experienced all the things that we experienced yet without sin, that you went to the cross and took our place on the cross, Lord. And you did all that to bring us near to you. What an amazing thing. What an incredible thing that this great transcendent God has come near in the person of Jesus. 
Lord, help us not to get over that. Help the message of the cross never to be dull or boring in our minds, Lord. And help us to be men and women of prayer. Help us to be a church of prayer. You said that your house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, Lord. And so I pray that you would make that true of us. Make that true of Hickory Grove. And Lord, as we seek you, may you continue to be glorified. May your name continue to be lifted high in this city, in this country, and throughout the world for your glory. And it's in your great name we pray. Amen.